Inside Outside Innovation is the podcast that brings you the best and the brightest in the world of startups and innovation. I'm your host, Brian Ardinger, founder of InsideOutside.io, a provider of research, events, and consulting services that help innovators and entrepreneurs build better products, launch new ideas, and compete in a world of change and disruption. Each week, we'll give you a front row seat to the latest thinking, tools, tactics, and trends in collaborative innovation. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. My name is Brian Ardinger. I'm your host. And as always, we have another amazing guest. Today with me is Scott Lennett. He is the president of Touchdown Ventures. And if you're not familiar with Touchdown Ventures, he's going to tell us a little bit more about it. Welcome, Scott, to the show. Hey, Brian. Great to be on. Thanks for having me. I am super excited to have you on the show. I've been following your work for a long time. One of the reasons I wanted to have you on is because you have been in this space investing in companies for a long time, and you're taking a different approach with Touchdown Ventures. I think your tagline is VC as a service. So let's talk a little bit about that. Tell us a little bit more about Touchdown Ventures and how you got started in this business. You know, the normal model in venture capital is to go out to a group of limited partners and create a pooled vehicle. Those are limited partnerships, which is why the investors are called limited partners. And even in the world of corporate venture capital, what investors typically do is say, here's 10 corporations, put your money in. It's our fund at that point. And then we'll go invest in the things that we think are interesting and potentially relevant to you. Right. What we found as we explored this space is that corporations want their own funds. And so that's what we do at Touchdown Ventures. We help them set up and run their own funds. So talk a little bit about that. So I've had a chance to talk to VCs everywhere and occasionally bring up the conversation of corporate venture and what their thoughts are on that. And a lot of times you get some pushback from some traditional VCs that corporates can't do venture, they shouldn't be doing it. What's your take on all that? We believe that they definitely should be and that they can be some of the best investors on the cap table if they're doing it right. There's a debate or a dialogue that's emerged in the industry. There's this concept that there's a spectrum from financial to strategic and that all investors have to choose where they're going to be on that spectrum. In traditional venture capital, obviously they're focused on financial returns and they don't really think about strategic returns. In a corporate environment, corporation potentially has multiple objectives and among those could be making a multiple on your investment and also among them would be strategic returns. And those could be things like learning about new spaces, it could be a potential path to acquisition for certain types of startups. It could be commercial relationships. It could be doing things that would help the core of the business. It could be getting into new lines of business. There's a number of different strategic objectives that corporations could be pursuing. And so the debate is often, well, should I try to be financial or should I try to be strategic? Right. And over the course of, you know, let's say the past three, four decades in corporate venture capital, there are times when corporations in the guise of acting strategically, have done things to hurt the financial return of a particular deal. And so you can imagine for the founders of the startups, for the traditional venture capitalists who are really looking to maximize the enterprise value of that startup, that's a real conflict. Mm -hmm. For us, what we discovered sounds like it's a big insight, but you know, sort of it seemed obvious to us is that you don't want to choose between those two. It's actually not a spectrum and financial and strategic are not the opposite of each other, but you want to maximize both. And right. you want to act strategically in a way that maximizes the shareholder value for all concerned so that you have this dual lens. It has to be a good investment. And as a corporate investor, you want to behave just like a traditional venture capitalist would to maximize the value of your investment. 
And then in addition, you want to be doing things that are strategic that are mutually beneficial. These should be things that help the corporation as well as help the startup. So talk a little bit about how this got started. Obviously, there's a huge rise in corporate venture dollars going into the market now. Seven, eight years ago, you had this rise of the startups. And so you saw a lot more corporate folks jump into the fray as well, investing directly in startups and that. What are some of the trends that you've seen over the last five or six years that have changed the way people think about startup investing? For me in particular, and part of how we got started on this is that I had the good fortune to co-invest with one of my co-founders and touchdown, David Horowitz back when I was an institutional venture guy. And so I had written the seed investment in a company that's in San Francisco. And a couple of years later, he wrote the next check and led the next round. And so he was at Comcast at the time. And you know I was at a traditional institutional fund as part of the DFJ network. And it was really the first time in my career where I saw a corporate investor embodying what I just described, where he was a great financial fiduciary as a board member, who behaved just like any of my partners would or any traditional venture investor would. And then on top of that, he was bringing strategic value from Comcast. And in fact, you know, in that particular deal, he was bringing revenue because Comcast was a big customer of the startup. That turned a light on for me that corporate investors could be really powerful. And as I sought to build more and more strategic relationships for my fund, I've had these types of conversations where the people running the innovation arms or the M&A arms or the C-level executives in these different corporations would say what I said to you at the top of the show, which is, we should probably put money in your next fund, except we really want our own fund. And so as a GP going out into the marketplace trying to raise a fund, I was hearing directly this feedback that corporations wanted their own funds, but they were struggling with the idea of who was going to run it because they didn't have anybody in-house who was experienced at venture. And one of the things that we've seen in this business is on the corporate venture capital side is that there's a huge correlation between the longevity in the program and having people running it who have real experience in venture capital. You need the relationships, the network, the experience. You need to have been on a certain number of boards in order to have seen the plays that get run on the field to be effective in that role. And so the idea for Touchdown really came from my co-founder, David, who was looking at the same dynamic and saying multiple of these organizations that are getting into this business are trying to figure out how are they going to staff these organizations they're attempting to build. And we, together with Rich Grant, co-founded the company in 2014 to provide that venture capital as a service where we shy away from the term outsourced because they're not really giving the money to us and letting us just do whatever we want. We're really running these programs that are strategic and financial hand in hand with them to ensure that these corporate objectives are being addressed by the deals that we're doing. Hey listeners, I wanted to pause this episode to bring you a special announcement. We are bringing back the IO Summit. Yes, the third annual Inside Outside Innovation Summit is coming October 20th through the 22nd. This year's theme is talent, technology, and the future of innovation. If you are an entrepreneur, innovator, corporate leader, looking to future-proof your organization, showcase your startup, or just mix and mingle with some of the best and the brightest in the world of innovation, don't miss this immersive event, October 20th through 22nd. Check out tickets at theiosummit.com. It's a great point. It's not something you can learn, this venture space where you go to school for a couple of years and then understand how to make deals and how to make networks and how to help startups and, and all that stuff. It's, it's something you do have to roll up your sleeves and get your hands dirty. And I, I've seen a lot of corporate folks that have tried to spin up some stuff and you've seen it in the evolution of 
even the startup corporate partnerships that we've seen come through. Four or five years ago, it was all hot and heavy to let's do a hackathon and see if we can come up with the next Uber. A lot of innovation theater around trying to get into the startup world, so to speak. But you saw a lot of folks learn in that space. And I think you are continuing to see a lot of learnings from that. What are you seeing as far as how has the landscape evolved with corporates trying to partner with startups and, and get into the space? I think those phenomena that you're talking about are you know, what everyone is focused on and how to make sure that folks are getting the most out of it. The innovation theater is one way to describe it. I've heard it called the Silicon Valley Petting Zoo. And the startups and the traditional VCs are often frustrated by it because if it's venture capital tourism and you show up for a bunch of meetings and then go home, nothing ever happens. You know, nothing ever comes out of those visits. There's only so many of those meetings you want to take before you decide that it's a waste of time, which is how I think a lot of the Silicon Valley set thinks about this. So the question is for corporate innovators and would-be corporate venture capitalists, what do you do? How do you set yourself up for a series of decades of learning without looking like a tire kicker, but not putting yourself in a position where you're taking too much risk and getting yourself out over your skis too quickly? That's the challenge, and it's part of why we started Touchdown. So are you seeing it from the standpoint, obviously, bigger corporations like you know, the Intels of the world, the Workday Ventures, you have enough dollars and that that they typically create their own funds. And are you seeing this as a way for mid-market types of corporations to get into this space? Or are you still seeing it as a game played largely by the larger corporations out there? It's both. I mean, we see companies that are small, that are even startups in the Bay Area are doing it partially because they have the expertise and it's in their DNA and they were venture-backed themselves. But at Touchdown, you know, we're seeing demand from every single industry. And, you know, one of the areas I think that's intriguing is in the industrial spaces. Companies are looking and saying, how do we stay innovative? How do we maintain our advantage or our market lead? I was doing a presentation a couple of years ago, and there were about 200 directors, mostly of public companies, sitting in the audience. And I asked the question, who here thinks that you're insulated, you know, that your company is insulated from disruption? Literally one guy in the audience raised his hand. And, you know, this was a gentleman probably in his late 60s. And so I said, okay, what do you do? And he said, well, we make battleships. (laughs) We all laughed. Everybody in the room laughed. And we actually started talking about it. And the more we got into it, he said, well, the battleships that we make last for many decades, closer to a century than not. But the reality is, in order to make the sale of the next battleship, I need to have the latest stuff in there. So I do need to keep up with technology. I need to know everything that's happening. And I need to be you know, ready to go with that when I walk in to make the next sale. So I guess I need to know about innovation too. What often happens, go back to the concept of the petting zoo or the venture capital tourism, is that everyone says, well, great, I want to see this pipeline of startups and I want to learn and I want to know what's coming down the road. Can I do all of that without actually investing? And sadly, the answer is no. The entrepreneurs are not going to give you the information without the carrot of funding their business. And they need capital to grow their businesses and sustain it. And so venture capital is really the tool to do that. And if you can show up as a corporation, not only with the prospect of capital, but also with a commercial agreement that helps accelerate the growth of that startup, then it's a real plus. And it's something that those startups and their VC board members are going to consider. Some of the stuff that you're talking about, like the industry of warfare and how that's changing and 
fact that you might not even have a battleship to fight a war. It might be cyber terrorism and that kind of stuff that is the next war battlefront. How do you prevent or help corporations kind of understand and think beyond their existing playing field or their existing industry to think beyond these new ways or new opportunities that are out there that, you know, not just to think about, well, we're a fintech company, so we're going to be looking at fintech startups or we're an insurance company, we're going to look at insurance type of stuff. How do you have them look outward for other opportunities beyond what they're traditionally looking for? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think that's the beauty of corporate venture capital is that it really sets you up to do exactly what you're describing. And I think everyone knows this paradigm of the horizons of innovation, horizon one, two, and three, right. how close into the core, is it adjacent, is it potentially disruptive? Our experience is that each corporation is different and that not every corporation should be making investments in technologies or startups that are disruptive. You want to know about all of them before they become disruptive to your core business. And depending on what's your position in the market, what's the competitive dynamic within your industry, what are your profit margins like, what are your personnel issues, all of that really dictates whether you should be making investments you know, weighted towards the core, towards adjacencies, or towards disruption. When you have a corporate venture capital program that's reviewing 500 to 1,000 opportunities a year, it really lets you fine-tune within those horizons where do we want to focus our investments. And those are strategic decisions that really should be, in our opinion, revisited every year as mm -hmm. the circumstances of the company change, as technology changes, as the market changes, geopolitical situations change. All of those have an impact. And the key is you look at a lot, and in venture capital, generally, you fund less than 1% of what you see. So you're always going to be saying no to most of the things as you go. It's just, you know, which are the ones that are worth saying yes to, whether you're trying to achieve objectives for the near term or the long term. Either who's doing it well, and maybe not naming names, but what are the characteristics of a company or an individual in this particular space that seems to be getting it and or maybe ahead of the curve? You know, you mentioned a few. You mentioned Intel Capital is a good example, or we're big fans of what the folks at M12 Ventures, which is Microsoft's venture arm, are doing. I think, you know, those are programs that, in the case of Intel, has been around for decades, and right. I think been through multiple arcs of learning. What you see in programs like that is a couple of characteristics that reflect what we've been talking about, one of which is they have a real commitment to the program. So that's a commitment both in terms of capital and it's a commitment in terms of people to run the program. When you make investments, you know, I always say it's a little bit like you brought a puppy home and everyone kind of thinks you bring the puppy home, like, wow, isn't this a great thing that happens? You know, we got this gift. We got this toy of your kids. And then suddenly it dawns on you over the course of the next couple of days or weeks, hold on a second. This is not a gift. This is an obligation. We need to clean up after the puppy, including on the neighbor's lawn when something happens that wasn't supposed to happen. And that, you know, in fact, it's a lot of work. And venture capital investments are just like that, where you do a deal and it's not time to celebrate. It's time to start the hard work. And so you need enough manpower in the organization to help those startups, to monitor them, to manage them, depending on how active you are, if you're serving on the board or as an observer, to report back internally to all the stakeholders in your organization. And that, that requires people and capital and patience. That's a hallmark for sure. Then I think that one of the other things that you see in organizations like Intel and Microsoft is you see 
a commitment first to be good financial fiduciaries. So this is akin to the doctors of first do no harm. And this goes back to that debate between, do I have to choose between being financial and strategic? You don't. But the first step is, don't wreck your portfolio companies by being a bad venture investor. Okay. If you say that you're going to fund a follow-on round, do what you say and follow through on that. If you haven't gotten approval yet from your investment committee to do the follow-on, don't represent to the board or to the CEO that you have. These are business basics. And then once you are doing the basics of being a good venture investor, since you're in the venture business, now the question is, how can you provide strategic value both for the startup as well as back to your corporation in return? And I think you see this from Intel and Microsoft, where they're really doing deals that are relevant to those businesses. They're not off in space doing things that are just completely orthogonal to what those companies do. And I think Intel is a really good example of potentially backing disruptive innovators where the core of Intel is on a path. And if it's something that a business unit is doing, they don't need to fund it from the venture program. But if it's something that a business unit isn't doing yet, that's something that they're exploring through Intel Capital. And I think that's why it is strategic. On the flip side, we talked what corporates should be doing and their framework of what the playing field is all about. Flip it over and, and talk a little bit from the, the startup side. A lot of times, it's very easy sometimes for startups to get enamored by a big company's lights and the brand and go down a rabbit hole and do too much customization or think that deal is going to come through and they end up slowing their business or not getting the right forces behind it. Are there things that you've seen out there that can tailor to the startup to think about how they should be approaching corporate venture and corporate help as they build their business? You know, this is a hard part of the business for entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs are competing with each other. There's more and more venture funding in the market. You know, more and more of the good ideas get surfaced quickly. And so it's very hard to stay in stealth mode with anything that's interesting and not have potential competitors find out about it and potentially start to pursue it. And so entrepreneurs need every advantage they can get. Corporations can provide that through not only the strategic funding, but also the commercial deals that we talked about. But they do have to be careful not to get caught in a rabbit hole of things that go nowhere. I think entrepreneurs, without getting frustrated, need to recognize that corporations are large and have bureaucracy and focus on identifying decision makers and figuring out what are the hurdles that need to be removed to close a deal. The really good corporate venture groups can be key in helping make that happen. One strategy for entrepreneurs is if you're trying to get a commercial transaction done, engage with the venture group too. Even if you're not raising capital or looking to raise capital for them, that venture group, if you treat them the right way, can potentially help you get a read on whether the business unit is actually interested and truly engaged or if this is something that's just not going to happen now. Yeah, I think those multiple different nodes into a bigger corporation to understand and help you navigate it as a startup is are valuable. Almost having that corporate Sherpa, so to speak. Exactly. Anything from your perspective that you're seeing as far as core trends or things people in the corporate innovation space should be thinking about? You know, I think that we're seeing that more and more groups are getting into corporate venture capital because they recognize that they can be good financial fiduciaries and reap strategic return and deliver strategic benefits to these startups. And that if you are trying to stave off destruction or irrelevance at the risk of startups that are going to be disrupting your core business, you have to engage in this market. I think there was a time period where big companies felt like they could just do it in-house and that most companies recognized that that time is over. 
so that to figure out how are we going to maintain our dominant position in whatever market we're in, it means we're going to have to partner. And that means that we're going to have to share the responsibility. We're going to have to share the upside. And that is a complete change of mindset for many corporations. The sooner you make that change in mindset, the sooner you can reap the benefits from being in this space. Sounds great. Sounds very much like Inside Outside. I appreciate that plug. (laughs) Of course. Excellent. Well, Scott, if people want to find out more about yourself or more about Touchdown Ventures, what's the best way to do that? Touchdownvc.com. Shoot us an email. Give us a call. Excellent. Scott, thanks very much for being on Inside Outside Innovation. Look forward to continuing the conversation about the world of innovation as the new world evolves and it changes. Same here. Thanks, Brian. That's it for another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. If you want to learn more about our team, our content, our services, check out insideoutside.io or follow us on Twitter at the IO Podcast or at Artinger. Until next time, go out and innovate. <laughs>